This is America on the Road, winner of the International Automotive Media Conference Gold Medal Award for Radio, and now in its 25th year on the air. Thanks for being with us as we bring you the latest automotive information from around the world. There is new evidence that driving safety declined seriously during the pandemic, and we'll tell you all about it. Interesting stuff. America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and DrivingToday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com. Hi, I'm Jack Neerad. With me is co-host Chris Teague. Chris is based in Maine, and I'm going to get a Maine weather report in a second here. He writes for drivingtoday.com and a bunch of other auto-related websites, including jdpower.com. How are you today, Chris, and how is the weather in Maine? (laughs) I'm doing well. The weather is quite warm. We had a a really kind of gross July 4th weekend, but it did clear up for uh, the Monday. So we uh, got out to the lake and spent some time with friends. So all around pretty good weather. You know, the rain is always needed. Keeps the fire down and helps my garden grow. Yeah, we certainly need some rain here in Southern California. Uh, that would be a real blessing if we got rain. I don't, unlikely to rain between now and probably November. So that's what we're facing here. Very, very dry. But uh, this is not a meteorological program. It is uh, about cars. And uh, this week our special guest is Trisha Morrow. She's a Chevrolet safety engineer. We'll talk with her about preparing your car to be safe on the road this summer. It's just what you do to keep your family safe. Pretty important stuff. Both Chris and I are family guys, proud of it, and uh, we certainly want to keep our family safe, don't we, Chris? Absolutely. In the road test segment, Chris will be taking a long look at the, you tell me, Chris. The 2021 uh, Mazda CX-5. Yeah, very cool car. And, uh, I used to work for Mazda back in the day, so I have a soft spot in my heart for Mazda, but I think I'm not alone among auto journalists with with that. We'll talk a bit about that. I'm going to give my review of the 2021 Ford Bronco, and I know Chris is very jealous of the fact that I have driven the Bronco, and he has not. I, You know, I'm one-upping him on that, pretty much on nothing else, but uh, I am one-upping him on uh, having driven the Bronco, and he hasn't. Yeah, it's uh, you know, it's a rough life we live, Jack. <laughs> yeah, it really is horrible, isn't it? But uh, traveling around the country and around the world, driving other people's cars and uh, then telling people about them, uh, that's what we do. And, you know, we're thankful that we have an audience listening to us, that uh, individuals are listening to us uh, and, and pay attention to what we say. We, we really find that to be a blessing. Well, here's the question I alluded to a little earlier in this segment, and it's about traffic deaths and uh, what has happened during the COVID pandemic. And to look at this, I, I'm, I'm going to hearken back to uh, much longer ago, 20 years ago, to uh, September 11th, and see what happened when we had another major national tragedy, the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks, uh, of course. And that sent travel uh, going crazy. It, it actually put a lot of extra people on the road. And what you had there was a, a jump in traffic accidents. It's kind of logical that that would happen. What is interesting is during the COVID pandemic, when people were generally told to stay off the road and we had much less traffic, we had a similar spike in, in traffic accidents. In fact, according to the National Safety Council, 42,000 Americans died in uh, motor vehicle accidents in 2020. I mean, that's kind of shocking. That's 8% more than the previous year. It's the highest death toll on the highway since 2007, the first increase in deaths in four years. 
And the rate of fatalities per miles driven is really crazy. That's the way they figure it. They actually figure on a rate of fatalities per 100 million miles driven. And that went up 24% in 2020 versus 2019. It's just kind of amazing. And I think a lot of the issue was the fact that uh, people kind of didn't care and there wasn't much enforcement out there. Uh, you know, I'll, there are reports of people driving uh, in kind of a crazy manner. I, I wonder if you experienced that, Chris. Uh, were you out on the roads and did you experience that during the past several months? Yeah, I'm pretty fortunate to live in a state that only has, you know, like a million, million, 300,000 people anyway. So the roads can be quite empty at times. I will say that I did see an increase just in my my normal research of the work that we do, an increase of the number of videos of people just acting completely ridiculously on the roads, driving really fast, using their phones, videotaping, you know, uh, doing stunts on highways and things. So the stats that you're citing are not a surprise to me from that standpoint. Yeah, I think there is uh, maybe a psychological issue there. I think a lot of people were in some ways feeling hopeless or feeling reckless or, you know, just feeling different. That's for certain uh, psychologically uh, with what was going on with uh, the pandemic. And it, it led to really bad behavior on the highways, even uh, despite the fact that not a lot of people were driving. And maybe the empty highways, uh, as you cite, kind of uh, drove people in some ways to, to do stupid things. I mean, uh, here's some data from, from Minnesota. The Minnesota state troopers wrote tri- twice as many speeding tickets for speeds exceeding 100 miles an hour in 2020 than in 2019. I mean, who is driving 100 miles an hour? Who's getting ticketed for it? It's, it's just kind of amazing. Tucson, Arizona says fatal motor vehicle accidents more than tripled between March and May, just in that time when there were stay-at-home orders. So kind of wild uh, what was going on on the roadways and, and very frightening in a lot of ways. I mean, what did, uh, what did you experience uh, during that time? You know, we, so we were in a very unique, I guess, position here in that we experienced sort of an influx of both people buying homes and moving here and then also uh, people renting and vacationing here. So at the first months of summer and the first months of summer last year, there were, there were a ton of accidents, tickets. It seemed like I was always seeing uh, people pulled over on the side of the highway, but they were all coming from New York, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, you know, the really crowded states where people wanted to get out and get away. Um, but in general, you know, we, so first of all, people drive ridiculously here in the winter anyway. So, you know, no matter how much snow there is on the road, you're bound to find someone in a hurry driving 80 on the highway. But that same thing started to apply during the summer too. So, you know, the highways are clogged with people. People are driving more aggressively to begin with. Uh, so it turned into a little bit of a mess. I think things are, are looking to cool down this year, even though we have quite the same influx of people. But uh, it was a noticeable change. I mean, I don't have any data to back that up. But from an anecdotal standpoint, it was a noticeable change. Yeah, it seemed like one of the issues was a, a lack of enforcement. And I think a lot of members of the law enforcement, uh, the police, were reluctant to pull people over and, unless they were doing something extremely blatant, uh, you know, maybe with the fear of getting disease, uh, among other things. So there was less enforcement out there. And it shows that open roads and not much enforcement lead to high speeds, number one. And then, of course, uh, the accidents and, and fatal accidents, sadly. Uh, that often result from that 
reckless kind of behavior. Absolutely. It's a bit frightening. And, uh, you know, we hope things uh, return to normal on the streets as they uh, have essentially kind of returned to normal in in much of our our day-to-day lives. And uh, we'll see what happens now when we see a return to commuting, because I think that is one area where we still haven't seen very many people on the road. And I don't know whether you've noticed uh, a large number of uh, or an increase in traffic um, over the course of the last several weeks. I certainly have here in the Southern California area. What's what's it been like in Maine? I have, but it also corresponded with the end of school here, which tends to bring, at least in my area, you know, kind of a reduced bit of traffic. But uh, you know, a lot of companies here are saying, at least the larger ones, you know, if you guys want to continue working from home, we'll try to make this work for as long as possible. Uh, for various other reasons as well, you know, people are looking to avoid the commute. But, you know, I think we'll we'll start to see when we get closer to fall and the kids are going back to school. They've already said, you know, we're going to go back full time with full capacity, assuming nothing changes. So it'll be interesting to see what that does to our, our typical traffic flow in the fall. Yeah, it will be fascinating to see what happens here in Southern California as well. I think we're likely to have a, a similar kind of situation where kids will go back to school normally and... Uh, Maybe things will kind of level out and we'll get back to the way things used to be. And certainly we don't want to see any kind of rise in in vehicle fatalities. That's that's shocking. And uh, that kind of rise is very, very shocking. Well, when we come back, we're going to be talking about how you keep your family safe as you drive this summer. We're going to be talking with Tricia Morrow. She's a Chevrolet safety engineer. So we'll talk about preparing your car to be safe on the road this summer. And um, before we do that, we'll be talking with Chris about the 2021 Mazda CX-5. And I'll give you my review of the 2021 Ford Bronco. Stay with us for all of that. Uh, Thanks so much for listening to America on the Road uh, with Chris Teague. This is Jack Nierad with you. We appreciate the fact you're with us. Welcome back to America on the Road with Christine Jackie Red with you, and thanks so much for being with us. We really do appreciate it. It's road test time here on America on the Road, and we've got some interesting vehicles. Uh, a, a darling of the uh, auto enthusiast set is the Mazda CX-5. Tell us about it, Chris. I think it will continue to be the darling, at least uh, based on my experience. But I tested the 2021 CX-5 in the signature trim. This is uh, with a price tag that's creeping right up on $40,000. Uh, with destination. Uh, this engine that came in the, the higher trim levels is a 250 horsepower turbocharged four-cylinder engine, uh, but the CX-5 comes standard with a still lively 187 horsepower four-cylinder engine. But just like we talked about with the CX-30, which is smaller a few weeks ago, uh, what a difference a turbocharged engine makes in these vehicles. It's uh, it's a little bit rough sounding, but man, it's great acceleration, great far response, uh, decent fuel economy, and it makes it, you know, a very fun vehicle to drive, at least for a five-seater crossover, which I know you're, you're probably going to agree, Jack, but uh, they've done a great job at Mazda in making, sort of injecting that fun into every one of their vehicles, even the larger family haulers. Absolutely. It seems to be in their DNA, and it's hard to exactly express how they do it. I mean, a lot of it has to do with the handling of the vehicles. The, hand, the handling is just sharper. Uh, it seems more precise than you get in virtually uh, any other vehicle of its uh, type, whatever type that is. And it isn't uh, uh, tons of horsepower necessarily. It it really has more to do with handling and uh, steering feel, doesn't it? I agree. And, you know, I told you about this off the air earlier. At the time that I had the CX-5 last week, my family and I, we bought a new Volvo 
uh, XC90, which I realize they're two completely different vehicles, different classes, sizes, and so on. But the difference between uh, the feel of the Mazda and the feel of the Volvo, and the Volvo is smooth and and kind of disconnected, uh, and that's what my wife liked. But the CX-5, you get back in it, and it feels like a sports car compared to the Volvo. And again, I know they're different sizes and classes altogether, but uh, just the philosophy and the approach to the vehicle, uh, both design and feel, is completely different. But uh, you know, the the big thing for me here is there's enough space for two children in the back. I think three adults would have trouble, especially if they're taller, like me, I'm six feet tall. Uh, there's plenty of now. How tall are you? I, I, can we reestablish the uh, you know the height thing? Because I'm gonna put it down six feet tall. Oh, okay, <laughs> got it. Okay, mark that down. Yes, um, I'm not. Hopefully, I don't grow or shrink over the next little while, so I can keep bringing that up. Um, but. During the week that I tested it, we're finishing off our patio project in the back. So I went to Home Depot and was able to load 15 bags of paver sand and all sorts of other stuff in the back without moving the seats and had zero issue whatsoever uh, carrying the things that I needed to. Uh, you can get different color interiors, but I, I think Mazda focuses heavily on the darker colored interiors. So this one, while it had brown leather, it really ended up feeling like a cave. Everything is black. Everything is dark colored. Uh, and I really wish that Mazda, along with other automakers, would start making more lighter color interiors. I think they they look great. They may not be as stain resistant or as durable from that that standpoint. But, man, what a difference it makes in sitting inside a vehicle when it doesn't feel like a cave. But other than that, responsive infotainment system, this is not a touchscreen. It's a dial uh, dial controller, which once you get used to it, it definitely uh, it works just fine. Uh, I think it's a 10.3 inch infotainment screen. So again, your your first instinct is to reach up and touch the screen, but can't do that here. Uh, Apple CarPlay and Android Auto are standard. It had a nice Bose uh, stereo and all around just a nice vehicle to spend time in. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's a little small probably for families of five, especially if you have three kids in car seats or three kids, you know, that need to share the back seat. But for four or fewer people, it's a, it's a hard vehicle to beat both on value and uh, quality and fun to drive uh, aspects. So uh, all around, I think it's uh, worth recommending. Absolutely. I think if you are a family of four with uh, two fairly young children, you know, fairly small children, or even, you know, just two children of normal size, uh, you're going to do just fine in the CX-5 and you'll find it to be a very, very enjoyable vehicle uh, all the way around. It's, it's such a great all-around vehicle because it's fun to drive and yet it totes a lot of stuff and totes a lot of people. So uh, a lot to like about the CX-5. There's a, a, very good reasons why car enthusiasts and enthusiast testers really like the CX-5 from Mazda. Completely agree. And uh, I'm going to talk about a vehicle that I think is going to make Chris a little bit jealous because I did drive the Ford Bronco. And of course, the, the Bronco is uh, maybe the biggest story or certainly one of the biggest automotive stories of uh, 2021. Ford really had an opportunity here. Uh, Ford had this Bronco brand in its back pocket, and it was kind of moribund, and they were doing nothing with it. And meanwhile, Jeep is going great guns. Jeep is growing by leaps and bounds, and it probably was driving the people at Ford a little bit crazy that uh, they were not in on this. So they decided to dive in and dive in with both feet. And um, the two feet that they're using are the Ford Bronco and the Ford Bronco Sport, the smaller Bronco Sport, but I'm going to be talking about the larger Ford Bronco, which is available uh, essentially in two configurations, as a two-door or as a four-door, and then there are seven different trim levels, and the trim levels are uh, associated with different types of drivers. So there is the base, the big bend, the black diamond, 
the Outer Banks, Wild Track, Badlands, and First Edition. And First Edition is potentially sold out, uh, so I don't even know why we need to talk about it a bunch. I was driving an Outer Banks version most of the time when I was on the event, uh, but I certainly drove uh, various other vehicles configured in different ways, including some uh, some that were uh, configured as the Wild Track, which is uh, essentially the, the ultimate off-roader. And then a lot of them had the Sasquatch uh, package, and you can get that almost across the board, uh, that gives uh, the Bronco incredible off-road chops. So I had that going for me. Uh, the first test was on-road, and what I found was in Outer Banks trim, the Bronco handles pretty well on, on the road. It's, uh, it's comfortable. It is super quiet. One of the things you notice about it is it's not loud. <laughs> and a lot of off-roaders have a tendency to be loud on the road, uh, from tire noise and just <laughs> things clattering, you know, things maybe not as tightly screwed together as, as others. In two-door trim, it's a, a four-passenger vehicle, uh, very ample buckets up front. The, t- the rear seat is far narrower, kind of behind, between the wheel wells and pretty narrow. So uh, two are going to be uh, in close quarters there, two adults. Seat heating is standard in the Outer Banks model, so that is good. And the front bucket seats tip and slide forward to get you into the second row. It's still quite a climb, and uh, if you're wearing big boots, big hiking boots, (laughs) you might have a bit of a problem uh, getting back there. I would recommend if you're going to use the rear seats a lot, get the four-door. It's just uh, so, so much more accessible. The Bronco is one of the brand's first applications of SYNC 4, and that is its fastest as most advanced infotainment management system. 8-inch touchscreen is standard across all trims with the first edition, but you can get a 12-inch touchscreen uh, with SYNC 4, which I recommend. And it has kind of most of the bells and whistles, Apple CarPlay, Android Auto, works very, very well. One of the cool things about it, too, is there is an app that offers off-road navigation. So you can plan, navigate, and even share uh, where you go off-road with others. That's kind of cool. Topographic mapping. This is because, of course, when you're driving in the Bronco, you're not going to be on the road. (laughs) So road maps don't do you a lot of good. Uh, Having trail mapping uh, is very, very helpful to you. So I think that's very, very cool. Not only does uh, it seem quiet on the road, but even off-road, it uh, is very, I think, comforting in a lot of ways. I I know, Chris, uh, you've driven some off-road too. Do you feel comfortable on off-road a lot of times, or uh, is it something that... uh, kind of jolts you at times. Well, there are still some jolts, but probably do more to my uh, inexperience off-road than anything else. I will say that the thing that is most surprising about new off-road vehicles is just how effortless they make uh, what would have been a very difficult uh, experience years ago. So terrain management, off-road cruise control, you're mentioning off-road navigation and systems like that. I mean, everything is done almost automatically now for you. So I think, you know, Looking for a stripped-down experience, the Bronco might offer that in some of its trims, but I think it's going to be a pretty high-tech deal otherwise. Yeah, and I think the tech helps you so much. I mean, I remember the days when you had to uh, get out of the vehicle to <laughs> you know, lock the differential, do stuff like that. Uh, and it is just all electronic now and uh, so, so simple. You can lock front and rear differentials Almost at will, the Bronco has what they call GOAT modes, G-O-A-T, uh, that uh, doesn't sp- stand for the greatest of all time, but stands for goes over any terrain. 
And there are seven selectable modes, many of them for off-roading, Baja, mud ruts, and rock crawl among them. Slippery, slippery and sand, of course, also for off-roading. And they make it pretty effortless. And then you can kind of fine-tune that with what they call their hero buttons uh, at the top of the dash. So you can lock the, the various locking differentials if you want to do that. It's kind of an amazing... Uh, vehicle in terms of its capability. And I've been on a lot of Jeep events, and I would say the Bronco is equally capable to uh, Wranglers I have driven recently. I think it's going to be one heck of a competitor uh, for all all of the Wranglers out there. And uh, I think we're all happy to see that uh, with the the right powertrains, the amount of power, uh, the tech that it brings to the party. I think the Bronco is going to be a big hit. I, th- I think it already is a big hit, actually, even before it's hitting the market. I think they have something like 120,000 orders. But uh, it it kind of lived up to everything I was hoping the Bronco would do. Uh, do you have any questions for me as one who's driven it and uh, you haven't, Chris? <laughs> I don't want to get any more jealous of you than I already am. Uh, I will just say that I've written this several times and I'm now going to kind of eat my words. I was thinking that because of the backlog and orders, it'd be difficult to find one on a dealer's lot. However, I've seen several here in Maine for sale uh, just today. I was kind of poking around. Uh, So I think that's that's really good. But more to uh, what I think is great about the Bronco, having not driven it, is just the surrounding sort of ecosystem that Ford has built up. So the branding is one thing, but the naming of their trim levels and getting people really engaged in, you know, Bronco Badlands, Bronco Outer Banks, you know, like that's kind of your identity building for the vehicle. I think it's really neat. Uh, and I think they're going to do well with the aftermarket too. You know, they've got several, several accessories that are lined up for it. So all around, I'm super excited to see what comes of it. And I can't wait to drive it. Absolutely. Well, I'm barely scratching the surface and talking about it. There's so much to talk about and just the accessories. We could do a whole show on the accessories and what they've engineered for that. Uh, I barely even alluded to the engines, but uh, let me give you that before I get out on this. Uh, The base engine is a 2.3-liter turbocharged four-cylinder, 300 horsepower, so that's plenty of horsepower. Or you can get a 2.7-liter, 330-horsepower V6 engine. That's widely available, uh, backed by a 10-speed automatic transmission. So, just so much to like, and the off-road system is is really, really uh, excellent. Uh, you know, I can attest to crawling up rock faces and um, essentially going down streams, uh, not just crossing streams, but essentially traveling down creek beds uh, filled with water to, you know, 30 inches or so. Just kind of amazing stuff when you look at it and, and, and you go, yeah, I'm going to go in that, and then you do, and, and it works out just fine. So... Uh, that's what's happening with the Ford Bronco. We basically like it a lot, and of course we like the Mazda CX-5 as well. So that is our road test segment for this edition of America on the Road. When we come back, we're going to be taking your listener questions. So look for that coming around the corner. Uh, with Chris Teague, this is Jack Red with you on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road with Christine Jackie Red back with you, and we're so glad you're with us. We really do appreciate you joining us on America on the Road. Uh, you're the reason we do what we do, and it is listener question time. We love to take your listener questions. Uh, you can reach us very easily by sending your question to editor at drivingtoday.com, editor at drivingtoday.com, and we'll try to answer your question on an upcoming show. And here is a question from Larry. He's in Pueblo, Colorado. He asks, what do I do if I buy a car and then after driving it for a while, I don't like it? Can I take it back? Hmm. Sounds like Larry might be 
having an issue with a, a car he just bought. But, uh, you know, what's your take for Larry? Well, the first thing I'll say is this is why myself and many others uh, advise people to do as much research as they can possibly stand to do before buying a car. Uh, the dealer or, you know, if you buy it from a private party, there's a great chance you're just out of luck depending on uh, how you bought it and what the agreement was. But if you buy it at a dealership, you know, some some people or some dealers you'll see like CarMax and others offer, uh, I don't know, like a seven-day return policy or whatever. But uh, returning a vehicle is almost never financially advantageous because even CarMax and the dealers that do take vehicles back, they're going to charge you for the miles and the time that you had the vehicle. So, uh, yes, you may get out of it most of the way, but you're going to end up paying through the nose for the little bit of time that he did have it. On the other hand, if you're not at a dealership that, that takes those sort of returns, I guess is the best way to put it, uh, you're, you're kind of out of luck unless you want to take the hit and trade it back in on something else. So uh, I think my advice there, and Jack, you probably have more insight on this than I do, but my advice there would be, uh, unless it's just something that absolutely is inappropriate for your lifestyle, I would try to keep it as long as possible. Uh, try to write some of the uh, the inequity there before you try to trade it back in. Well, you identify it so well, Chris. I, I mean, I endorse everything you said. And uh, the key is doing your prep before you buy. Because once you buy, you don't have much in the way of recourse. Now, if you get a lemon, if you buy a new car that is covered under warranty and it uh, keeps uh, failing for one reason or another, and you can't get it fixed and you can't get it fixed properly, manufacturers will do what they call a buyback in the industry. They will buy that vehicle back. Uh, first, they have to, they will make many attempts to fix it and you'll be vexed by that. You know, you'll have to go to the dealership over and over again. It'll be a, a pain in the backside and you're going to have to deal with that. And then maybe they'll buy it back. Um, as you say, if you buy a used car, most often you're buying a used car as is. If you're buying it from a, an outfit like CarMax or, uh, say, Vroom, that offers some kind of uh, return policy, uh, check out that return policy bef <laughs> before you buy. Uh, because there might be some some issues like you you talk about, and what you're really doing is you're going to be selling back that car you just bought to the dealership. They're going to be buying it back from you. You're probably not going to make out very well in that deal. So there's a lot of good reasons to do a, a big amount of research up front. And if you're buying a used car, understand exactly what you're getting in the used car you're buying. Of course, it's impossible to know 100%, but you can have a pretty good idea of what that car is going to be like. So purchasing a car is not like uh, buying clothes at Nordstrom or something like that. You can't, <laughs> you can't just go down to the dealership and go, yeah, I'll try this out for a couple of weeks and see how I like it. And if I don't like it, I'll, I'll return it. It just doesn't work that way. Uh, if you try to do that, it's going to cost you thousands of dollars is the likelihood. Yeah, try to hold on to it if you can or do the research ahead of time is absolutely the best advice there. Yeah, what you might want to do is uh, try to sell it as a private party. Let's say you've, you've bought a used car and for one reason or another, it's not working out for you. Rather than trying to get the dealer to do something with it, I would, uh, again, try to sell it. Of course, you should disclose what's wrong with it to that buyer. You don't want to be doing to that buyer what has just been done to you. But uh, that's essentially your recourse and you're going to take a loss. I mean, there's kind of no way around it. So uh, to avoid that, uh, doing the research up front is, is certainly the way to go. Totally agree with that. Well, when we come back, and we promise we will come back, and we hope you will come back with us, we will be talking with Tricia Morrow. 
She is a Chevrolet safety expert, and we'll be talking about uh, what you should do to keep your car safe this summer, to keep your family safe this summer. That's critical stuff, so uh, stay with us for that. With Chris Teague, this is Jack Nered with you, and we're so glad you're with us right here on America on the Road. Welcome back, everybody, to America on the Road. Jack Nered with you, and uh, summer is upon us. Uh, we're excited about that. I always love the summer season. It's a great season for driving, and of course, driving is my life. And wish it, uh, with us is somebody who uh, I think driving is her life as well. Tricia Morrow is a Chevrolet safety engineer. And we're going to be talking about summer driving, what you should do with your car to get it ready for summer driving, and all of those things. So, Tricia, thanks for being with us. We do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. Let's talk a bit about special things that have to do with summer driving. Certainly you have heat, you have uh, maybe weather conditions that are a little different in summer. What are some of the things people should be concerned about when they uh, think about driving uh, and getting their car prepared for the summer? Well, you know, at Chevrolet, we believe that planning ahead is one of the keys to keeping us all safe on the road. And when we talk about planning ahead, it it has a lot to do with our vehicles, making sure that our vehicles, uh, the scheduled maintenance has been performed, our washer fluid levels are at the right levels, including our oil levels, um, really make sure that we check our headlights and our taillights. For a lot of us, we haven't been out on the road for, for quite some time. So it's really important to make sure that First and foremost, our vehicles are operating um, at their optimum level. You make a good point. A lot of people have not been driving much. They've certainly been driving a lot less uh, than they had before the COVID-19 pandemic. And what are some things people should think about with their vehicles when they haven't been driven for a while? I think there's, there's a vehicle in my garage that probably hasn't been driven for a week or two or maybe even a month. What are some thoughts on that? You know, aside from making sure that the maintenance is all taken care of, you know, it's really important to reacquaint yourself with your vehicle. You know, we know, according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, that 94% of all crashes are due to human behaviors. And, you know, it's really important that we know all the technology in our vehicles, we reacquaint ourselves with the vehicles so that we can drive with our eyes up, our phones down, and our seatbelts on. You know, also making sure that we understand the technology in the vehicles that can really help keep us safe on the road. Let's talk a bit about some of that technology because I think that's important to know about. And certainly our cars are uh, more tech savvy than ever before. We have more equipment that uh, potentially can keep us safe. But understanding how that stuff works uh, is important. Uh, walk us through some of that stuff, would you? Absolutely. You know, there's a, you know a great amount of safety technology on our vehicles. You know, and Chevrolet offers a robust suite of available and standard active safety features, for one, across the Chevy lineup. Um, Chevy Safety Assist is standard on the 2020 Equinox and 2021 Trailblazer, and it has in it six features that we know are important and valuable to our customers. You know, so some of these active safety features include um, automatic emergency braking, forward collision alert, you know, and just stopping for a second to talk about those two uh, We've run a study with the University of Michigan Transportation Research Institute that has actually been able to quantify the value, if you will, of some of these active safety features. Um, Our active safety features are designed to reduce crash speeds or avoid crashes altogether. And that study conducted by UMTRI, the University of Michigan, showed that if, if your vehicle has automatic emergency braking and forward collision alert, 
Together, those features can help reduce front or rear-end striking crashes by 46%. So these active safety features are really valuable and have been proven effective. Yeah, those rear-end crashes are very, very uh, prevalent, right? I mean, that's one of the biggest types of crashes out there. So if you have technology on, the, on your vehicle that can help prevent that, or as you say, even mitigate a, a problem, make it less of, less of a problem. You're not crashing into somebody at, at quite the speed because the vehicle has recognized that there's a problem ahead and applied brakes. That makes a big difference, doesn't it? It sure does. You know, and I have a new driver in my house as well. And, you know, a lot of these features are so helpful. You know, there's so much that she needs to remember and she needs to, you know, prepare for on the road and so much that can take her attention away. And, you know, it's such great peace of mind to me knowing that these features are on her vehicle. So, you know, if she does, you know, her attention does stray from the primary task of driving, you know, her vehicle can help stop and help mitigate some of these crashes. What are some of the other active safety features that you think people should be paying attention to and maybe purchasing when they uh, look for their next vehicle? Well, Chevy Safety Assist also includes uh, front pedestrian braking, following distance indicator, lane keep assist with lane departure warning, and IntelliBeam auto high beam assist. Um, you know, another point on the lane keep assist with lane departure warning, you know, that also has been shown effective at reducing those those lane change uh, type crashes by 20%, again, according to that study by Umtree. So uh, these features are really um, important and have really proven their benefit. Yeah, I mean, single car crashes where somebody is not paying attention or whatever, maybe they even fall asleep and they drive off the road, those are also pretty prevalent, and uh, that can certainly help. And it'll also, uh, oftentimes, that type of technology can nudge you back into the into the lane and the proper place in the lane where you should be uh, if your attention wavers a bit. And, th- and that's important, isn't it? Absolutely. And, you know, you mentioned the lane keep assist, which can help, you know, provide gentle steering wheel turns to, to keep you in your lane. You know, that's one of my favorite features on the vehicle. You know, back when it was just lane departure warning, every time I'd go over the line, you know, I'd get the the beep in the vehicle and my daughter would always question, Mom, why are you driving over the line? And now with lane keep assist, it it helps keep you in in your lane. And um, the safety alert seat is another feature that Chevy offers on um, some of our vehicles, which instead of those in-vehicle beeps to alert you that something might be going on, there might be a threat, the seat will actually vibrate and that's that can take the place of those beeps in the vehicle and that safety alert seat has actually shown the customers have shown that they leave their active safety features on more when they use that safety alert seat as opposed to the beeps which again maybe they have teenage daughters who are are questioning their driving as well yeah i've had teenage daughters and i know exactly what it's like i've had three of them so (laughs) absolutely true and i i am a a big proponent of that uh, vibrating seat type of warning uh i i prefer that to beeps as well so i can understand why that happens let's talk a little bit about the fact that a lot of people haven't driven for a while is your sense and of course you are our safety engineer with chevrolet is your sense that people uh, maybe need a refresher or need to uh, reacquaint themselves with their vehicles and with driving. It, it strikes me that I'm driving less, and I was on the the freeway the other day here in Southern California, and I felt like I was a little rusty at it. What, what, are, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. You know, according to the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, during the pandemic, 
we saw speeds increase and seatbelt use decrease. And when we look at fatality data, we know that wearing your seatbelt is the number one action anyone can take to protect themselves in a crash. And we know that speed contributes to about 30% of the fatalities we see on the roads in the U.S. So of the utmost important, we need to plan those good driving behaviors, plan to keep, make sure that we have all of our playlists set up, make sure our navigation is set up before we hit the road so that we really can keep our eyes up, so we can keep our phones down and focus on the primary task of driving. And really remember, you know, following the posted speeds, you know, and really making sure that we're focused on driving. Well, that is so important. I mean, distracted driving is a big, big problem. I think it's been proven to be a big problem by all the major safety uh, studies and agencies. And technology, I think, is a double-edged sword there. I mean, technology can help you avoid that. Uh, in fact, some technology will even pay attention to you and, and maybe let you know that you're not paying attention to the road and detect driver distraction. But at the same time, there's technology in the car that can be distracting. Why don't you talk a bit about that, uh, all those issues? Absolutely. So, you know, we know that our customers want to stay in touch. I mean, everyone has a cell phone. Almost everyone has a cell phone. And, you know, the instant gratification or the ability to be able to be reached or talk to someone, it's just part of our lives. And, you know, for me, it's really important that we always, everyone in my family always hooks up our car to Apple CarPlay or Android Auto or even the in-vehicle Bluetooth. So it enables me to drive again with my eyes on the road, my hands on the wheel, but I'm still able to receive a phone call from, you know, said daughter if something, <laughs> if something has gone awry or other important calls that I might get. But it really enables us to keep our eyes on the road. And we've found that, you know, really focusing on the primary task is, is what's going to enable safe driving. But, you know, you're right. The distraction is such an issue today, especially because it's preventable. There's things that we can do to make sure our phones are down. And, you know, distraction comes in many forms. You know, you even look at some of the, you know, you talk, talked about um, summer and it being warm outside. You can even think about some of those heat stroke related fatalities that we see, you know, parents or caregivers that unintentionally leave their kids in the backseat of their vehicles. You know, they unfortunately, many, um, about 40 a year succumb to heat stroke deaths. And it's just, it can be even considered distraction or momentary forgetting that, you know, the, the parent has walked away. And it's really important that we're all cognizant of all of the behaviors that we have in and around vehicles this summer. Yeah. And you as a safety engineer are looking at all these balancing acts, I imagine. What people want in terms of connectivity uh, and then what would potentially distract them or what can mitigate that distraction or eliminate that distraction. I mean, one thing I've seen recently, and you know how people love to text. Uh, texting is uh, the national obsession, right? Uh, instead of using your phone to make a phone call, many people text instead. But in the, a vehicle, uh, reading a text and then trying to reply to a text by typing something out is an incredible distraction. There are ways to mitigate that. Oh, why don't you talk a bit about that? Yeah, I had talked about Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. What they really allow you to do is keep your phone down and you can receive messages in the vehicle. So for example, if you got a text, you'd be able to listen to it in the vehicle and be able to respond with voice. So really taking away, to your point, that handling of the phone, that 
interaction where you'd have to type out a message or um, take your eyes off the road for, for those reasons. So Apple CarPlay and Android Auto really are great tools to let you stay connected, but at the same time, do so in a, in a safe manner. Yeah, and getting people to use those tools uh, on a regular basis, I think, is one thing <laughs> you and I, as, as people uh, who want uh, the, the most safety for people out on the road to uh, put out there. So I'm glad we're, we're able to discuss that. When, we're, when we talk about preparing your vehicle for summer driving, what are some of the things people should be thinking about to make certain that their vehicle is safe for those road trips they're going to take? You know, you can check to make sure that the tires are properly inflated. As I mentioned, the oil and the washer fluids to make sure they're at the proper levels. Um, you know, inspecting headlights, taillights, blinkers, all of those things need to make sure are working properly and make sure that we conduct our maintenance. Um, I think for summer travel, it's also important to pack a lot of the essentials, you know, be informed of any restrictions of where you might be going. Uh, I know for my family, we always include uh, water, any additional masks or hand sanitizer that we might need, you know, and as I said, really making sure that you're informed of your route, make sure that you're looking out for any construction that may or may not be happening and plan alternate routes, just really to make sure that you're prepared before you go out. It's really that planning ahead that's the key to keeping us all safe on the road. Absolutely true. And, uh, you know, we talked a bit about distractions from the from things that happen in the vehicle. But one of the things that is very distracting to people uh, very often are other people in the vehicle, right? I mean, teenagers driving with other teenagers, a whole family together in the car, and uh, thus less attention paid to the road uh, than paid to uh, what's going on in the vehicle. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? You know, that's interesting. Um, more people in the vehicle is obviously something that, you know, as a family, my daughter, we've talked a lot about. It can be distracting to a new driver. Um, you know, more kids in the vehicle, more voices, um, you know, obviously more things to take her attention away. But uh, we've also found that, you know, with more people in the vehicle, you know, if the driver buckles their seatbelt, that more people, um, that the rest of the vehicle is more likely to buckle up. So again, you know, just making sure that we always are cognizant that our driver is wearing our seatbelt. It influences everyone else in the vehicle. But, you know, to your point, it's really important that as a passenger, we plan safe passengering behaviors, right? Don't distract the driver. You know, if you're looking at your cell phone, you know, don't look over and say, hey, check out this picture. Let the driver focus on the primary task of driving. You know, maybe inform them of everything that you saw or wanted them to see after the ride is done. But, you know, and also in our family, we use our passenger to, if we ever did need to handle the phone, that's their job. Um, so, for example, if we were, uh, we've recently taken a road trip and my daughter was in charge of putting all the playlists in and, and all the music selections because she was in the passenger seat. So passengers can be helpful, but certainly we all need to be mindful to you know, let the driver do what they're there to do to drive the vehicle. Well, and they can certainly be helpful in terms of navigation as well, right? I mean, a lot of times that... Uh right seat passenger is is the great person to keep an eye on the navigation system or the navigation on the phone and to to make all of that stuff happen rather than putting all that responsibility on the driver as well. I think that kind of team effort, it, it can be fun for everybody as well, but I think it's also a, a safe way to go. For sure. And not only does it provide an opportunity for my kids to make fun of me not being able to see things as well as they can, um, it certainly is helpful 
uh, when navigating places where we may not have been before. Absolutely true. What are some of the other pieces of tech or just some other hints you might have for people as they uh, start to do a lot of summer driving, maybe after not driving for uh, the better part of a year or maybe even longer than a year? You know, I think it's important. You know, I, I mentioned that I have children. It's important to remember that we do have USB ports that can keep our devices powered up. There's 4G available Wi-Fi in the vehicle. You know, so the kids can really take advantage of listening to their music and audiobooks. And, you know, as we hit the road, it's, it's a great way to keep them entertained, to keep kids and adults entertained as well. But I think that, um, you know, getting to know all of the technology in your vehicle and remembering some of the great things that your vehicle has in it is really going to make summer driving fun and safe. Right, and it, it should be a lot of fun. And that family bonding in a summer drive is one of the great things. I mean, it's very memorable to me. It sounds like it's memorable to you too, Tricia. Uh, it's something that uh, I think people should be looking forward to as we're uh, hitting summer right now. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> we recently took about a 20-hour road trip, and it was something that I was dreading. And it ended up being a lot of fun, a lot of fun for all of us you know, between choosing uh, which restaurants to eat and what, what our different playlists were going to be. We really had a lot of fun in the vehicle and we had a lot of fun together. So, you know, those road trips, making sure that, and we even mapped out and were able to use, you know, our navigation to make sure that we got to all the restaurants that everyone wanted to get to. Um, you know, again, just really making sure that we used our technology and, you know, it was a great trip. Any final thoughts on this, Tricia? I, I, that's all such good advice. I appreciate it. Yeah, for sure. It, for any additional information on any of our Chevy vehicles or the Chevy Active Safety features that I mentioned, please uh, feel free to visit Chevy.com. Terrific. Well, Tricia Morrow, you're a Chevrolet safety engineer, as I don't have to tell you, but I do have to tell our audience. Uh, thanks so much for being with us. We really do appreciate it. What great tips you have given us, and I hope your family has a, a wonderful summer and do some more summer driving. Our, our family intends to do that, too, and uh, check out things in Chevy vehicles as we do. So uh, thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. Take care. We'll be right back after this. Thanks so much for listening to America on the Road. That was our interview with Fisher Morrow. She's a Chevrolet safety engineer, as you no doubt know by listening through her interview. And we appreciate her being with us. Uh, important issue, keeping your family safe this summer. And Chris, of course, you're going to keep your family safe this summer. Uh, I know that's uh, a foremost on your mind, paramount on your mind. And I want to thank you for being with us again and sharing your insight. Thank you so much for having me, Jack, as always, and thanks everybody for listening. And as I always do, I will ask you, if you like what you heard, please go ahead and hit like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a written review if you have time. That will help us continue to grow and get in front of more people and bring them along for the ride with us. Absolutely. And we'd love to have you pass along the show if you'd like to uh, somebody who think might uh, enjoy the show, enjoy hearing two guys talking about cars, which is what we do every week. So. Please pass that along, and uh, our, our great thanks to Mercury Insurance for helping make this happen. Again, our thanks to Chris Teague for his co-host duties and letting us know how tall he is. We want to hear that every week, and uh, it's an important part of the show. And uh, most of all, thanks so much to you for listening. We really do appreciate it. Uh, you listening is what makes it all worthwhile for us. So please join us again next time for another edition of America on the Road.
America on the Road is brought to you by Mercury Insurance and drivingtoday.com. If you're looking to save some money, you should switch to Mercury for your auto and home insurance. Californians save an average of $670 with Mercury, so imagine how much you could save. Get a quote today at mercuryinsurance.com. And if you're looking to save some money on a car you're about to buy, go to drivingtoday.com. It will give you all the information you need to make a smart car buy. That's drivingtoday.com, the official website of America on the Road.